You're listening to the It's Okay to Cry podcast with Bronte Spicer, a podcast to help parents and teachers instill powerful, mindful tools and strategies so our families can be free of depression and anxiety. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Welcome back, everyone, to the It's Okay to Cry podcast. And today, for episode 10, I have Megan Jones here, and she is a kinesiologist, and she activates souls through raising energetic vibration and assisting with awakening and ascension. So welcome, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me, Bronte. You're welcome. So we've got a juicy topic that we've been talking about together and experiencing and experimenting with for a couple of years now because you did my Sacred Circle Holder course a couple of years ago and I know that that had a profound impact on your work life at the time and before we even knew that your husband Dan was going to pass away a year ago. So now you've had this incredible experience of grieving through these last 12 12 months and I just wanted to have you on to talk to hear more about how this skill of holding space has supported you through this period of time. It's a big topic, right? Yeah. It's um it is a huge a huge topic. Um and a wonderful life skill to have in your toolbox. Yes. So I wanted to read what I wrote about holding space in chapter eight of my book, It's Okay to Cry, which is actually titled Holding Space. So this paragraph starts off with, if you know someone with depression or anxiety, holding space can be the most compassionate act and a lifeline for them. It's like holding a safe space for someone to be loved, appreciated, cared for and supported. In this space, the person is welcome as they are. Holding space is like holding the person in a beautiful, warm and safe cocoon where they can simply be themselves. And we've spoken about the differences, which I also have in this chapter in holding space in It's Okay to Cry, the differences between holding space for self, holding space for others and holding space for self and others simultaneously so I'd love just for us to start off with Megan what do those three mean for you um, first and then yeah we'll dive into how you've used this incredible lifeline and life skill in the past 12 months sure well uh, holding space for me is it's really about one being in the moment um, just putting everything else not necessarily suppressing it or shoving it away, but we're just putting that on hold so that we have that um, that time and that opportunity to really go within and see how how we're going emotionally, how we're going mentally, how we're going physically, and how we're going spiritually. So I guess in my work, a big part of my work is is obviously holding space for other people and that's about creating this really um, open, non-objective, warm and caring space where anything, anything can be said, anything can be experienced 
and it's like it's just this special time and place and space where um you know we can talk about those those things that we can't necessarily just talk to anybody about at any time so yeah so that's me holding space at work I guess me holding holding space for myself is again um putting those external things on hold and taking that opportunity to really go within check in um and again that that non-judgmental aspect is a really really big thing so just allowing whatever needs to come forward in in that time and space to to make itself known and to welcome that and to to meet that wherever it is and then holding space for myself and and other people simultaneously um, is is something that I really really only learned through doing your sacred circle holder course um, and that's about allowing it's almost like you have you have these two spotlights so it's sort of like you're in one spotlight and you're you are checking in you are kind of gently assessing what's going on for you in all of those bodies that I mentioned about before while at the same time having like another spotlight right next to you which is holding that other person so it's allowing them to still have that that warm safe non-judgmental place at the same time while you are also holding your space at the same time. So those are the three for me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And when you learned this, this, this ability to hold space for yourself and hold space for others, how did that transform how you do your work? Oh my goodness. It was like a it was like a light bulb moment, I guess, because um I, like I said, I'd, I'd always been able to um, especially hold space for other people. Holding space for myself at that stage was still something that I was getting, getting used to doing and holding and kind of um, getting my head around. But I'd never, I'd never even thought about that, that concept, about being able to hold yourself in, in one space and somebody else at the same time. And um, it kind of, yeah, it completely changed things because it opened up this whole other energetic flow between not necessarily just being able to focus on, on that person that I'm holding space for with what they're saying and what I'm saying, but I can also at the same time tune into myself and see with what they're experiencing and what they're saying what that's bringing up for for me in in the moment as well and then being able to again in that non-judgmental space kind of embody that feel it hold on to the lessons and the blessings that are coming up with that and then allowing the rest just to to flow out of my system so I'm not necessarily holding on to that person's stuff but I'm still in the moment with them and I'm still assisting them to process and shift what they need to while I'm doing the same thing. I just love it and I, I love how you are embodied. You're doing highly spiritual, high vibrational energetic work, but you're also very much embodied. 
So I do love that about you. And I'm also hearing how connected we are. So when you're working with another client, as an example, you're noticing the shifts and the changes that are happening within you and you're intelligently allowing that that energy to process through you as it's processing through your client. It's incredible. And and what I am also hearing is this surrender. It's like the the more we kind of move out of the way, the more our bodies know how to process these energies and, and our emotions, our triggers, what's arising in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, when you're holding space for other people, you can't hold space for other people when you've got all of your emotional baggage along for the ride. Like it just it doesn't, it doesn't work. So part of holding space is allowing yourself to get out of the way. But just because we're allowing ourselves to get out of the way doesn't mean we're completely disowning what's coming up for us around that at the time as well. And I want to say that in order for all of this magic and intelligence to be happening, it takes some slowing down, doesn't it, to be conscious and aware of the processing that's happening between you and the other person. It does take some slowing down to be conscious and to be aware of, of this process that's happening under the surface. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and that kind of opens the, the doorway. So slowing down is a big one, and that's been a huge, huge lesson. But I'm still learning. Not haven't haven't mastered that one yet. But <laughs> slowing, yeah, slowing down and listening, listening to what's going on on the inside is really, really big. Um, and, and again, like you said, with the with the surrender, just to trust what's coming up, knowing that there's no there's no good or bad feelings and emotions. They are just all there to let us know what is going on, and they're like they're like little messengers. They just you know they wanna they wanna let us know what's going on within in our body, and they're happy to communicate and talk to us, but we have to slow down and yeah. I agree 100%. They're, they're our teachers, they're our, our guides, our masters, yeah. Yeah. And so then life just threw you an absolute curveball and about 12 months ago your husband Dan passed away. So I, I have been wanting to ask you these questions, you know, watching you just just gloriously move through these last 12 months in it, what it just it looks magical. It, it's incredible what you've done to – continue to raise your two girls and do your work in the world and, and also still to instill this beautiful joy in all of the conversations that, that we have together um, and you know for the other people who are very fortunate to have you in their life as well. So how has this skill, this skill to be able to hold space for yourself, hold space for others, that could be you know, the girls or, um, or others, and also to to be doing it simultaneously as well. How has that supported you through this grief process in the last 12 months? Yeah, um, it's been it's been massive. Uh, I definitely do not feel that I could be in the place and the space that I'm in now and functioning at the level that I'm at without um, having this, this space-holding tool in my, my tool belt. Um, because obviously um, the passing of Daniel was a very, very big, unexpected shot, a complete curveball. It wasn't something that we so much saw coming. Um, 
and then yeah to to literally be told one morning that you know your your husband is is no longer earthside with us that's a lot for me. that that was a lot that that's huge for anybody to process it was massive for me to process um but then the next thing that comes in is oh my goodness how do i how do I share this? How do I explain this to my two little girls who were three and seven at the time? Um, yeah, massive. Um, and that's the thing. It really comes back to, I guess, um, my values and, and my beliefs um, around how and why things happen like this. That's a huge one. So, um definitely having a really clear, clear view around values and beliefs for big. And then obviously I I had to try and process what was going on while still showing up as a as a mum for my my kids and um a sister in law and a daughter in law and a sister and a and a daughter for all of my immediate family. Um so yeah, so the the fact that I could be in the moment and experience everything that was coming up, good, bad, ugly, discomfort, all of that, um, and still still be able to hold on to my sense of self, while at the same time obviously trying to to help these little souls in my life, um, you know process the, the massive life changes that, that they've experienced through with too with losing losing their dad and um you know that that change in dynamic and in our family. So yeah, massive to be able to have that that perception, to be able to be in the moment, yet step out and have perspective of what's going on for everybody else around me at the same time. It's just incredible, and and there is a precision in in this finite skill that's 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 uh, invisible. So, what, and I would love to hear more about what it looks on a looks like on a practical level to go inward, but and at the same time, like does it just when when there's such an eruption of emotions, like is are you howling? Is it messy? Like, are there tears? Um, like, does it kind of spill over the edges of this? I'm holding space for myself. Of course it does. I mean, the way that I'm explaining it makes it sound all neat and tidy in their little concentric circles, but externally and practically, it definitely doesn't look like that. So, um, number one, I know that for me, suppressing any emotion is going to come back and bite me in the ass later on. So allowing that to be in my body and to feel that and to speak with that is huge. And that's not easy and it's not pretty. So there were definitely times where I was falling apart. There was definitely times where I was falling back into that victim mentality of, why? Why is this? Why is this happening to me? And not only why is this happening to me, but why is this happening to my girls? Um, 
also definitely huge, 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 big emotional releases um, from me, and um, and and doing that and living my life in front of my my girls, like they they saw me falling apart, and it it was such a a blessing in so many ways because then that allowed them to fall apart and then be okay with that whole notion that we don't have to hold ourselves together all of the time and it's healthy for us. It's healthy for us to cry. It's healthy for us to be angry. It's healthy for us to to have these big emotions and big discomfort. But we have a really, you know, if we trust our bodies, our bodies know what to do. We don't, if we just, again, surrender and we don't question it and we just allow whatever needs to come up, whatever needs to come out to come out, um, yeah, it, it definitely makes things in the long run a lot smoother. And this... Your understanding about emotions and not suppressing them and being able to feel them. Have you known this from like from day dot or did someone teach you this? Because I feel like I've been living under a rock. Like I know that we, we talk, <laughs> we talked a lot about emotions, but I never understood what people meant when, when, you know, they would say, you just got to let them be there. And I, I just, I was just like, I don't, I didn't even know. Like, did you? Have you known this all along? <laughs> it is. It's, it's definitely not not some magical skill I was born with. Um, I think from a very young age, I was I was very empathic, so I was feeling big emotions not only from myself but for, um, from other people. And it probably wasn't until I was in my thirties that I actually worked out what I saw somebody and they explained to me what and empathies and how they take on other people's emotions. And once that was explained to me, I was like, well, this is amazing, but what the hell do I do with it? <laughs> so, so from there, that's when I started doing energy work. And I didn't, I didn't start doing energy work because I wanted to be a healer. I started doing energy work because I wanted a way to know what my energy and what my emotions felt like and I wanted to I wanted to have a greater awareness about that but I guess it wasn't really until I started doing um my kinesiology work where a lot of the the things that I I do are based on emotions specifically stuck emotions in the body um and when I started learning that I was like holy moly there is a whole spectrum of emotions here. <laughs> um, and, and again, that lesson around emotions not being good or good or bad, that's been a, a really big one. And I remember when I was having some, some grief counseling earlier in the year, I think I was only halfway through my first session and my counselor went, what do you actually do for a job? Because I've never had anybody. <laughs> able to express and embody and feel and explain emotions the the way that that you do and once I explained to him what I did he's like ah okay that makes sense um but again it's such a powerful tool even have as a mum to be able to understand 
where your kids are coming from emotionally and to know that what they're projecting out emotionally sometimes isn't exactly the same as what they are feeling in them as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and for your, I, I'm sure your intuitive abilities would yeah come into play with that as well. But also, it's a beautiful reminder for us all for yeah everyone, all of us who are parents to remember that yeah the what we're seeing is the surface level underneath there's a whole lot going underneath that's that's driving that behavior or the outburst or yeah whatever so i want you you could just say this a hundred times like all emotions or, or like no emotions are bad no no emotions are bad no emotions are bad and yet the culture that we live in where we're told we believe that there's good emotions and if we're having bad emotions we've got to get to the good emotions i love that you you share that it's healthy to cry it's healthy to be angry that's something we don't hear often i know your know, parents worry if they if their children are angry like it's a, a problem so yeah, how has that looked for you to hold space for your girls when they're angry as they've been processing this yeah, huge change in their life? <laughs> anger, anger is a really interesting um, emotion because um, usually when we're feeling angry, it's because we are blocking some other emotion. When my when my girls get angry, the first thing I think of is you you are not you are not your emotions. So you you are you are expressing that you are angry, but you are not an angry person. Um, that's a big one. And usually they are expressing anger. It's because they are feeling like something is wrong. They are feeling like something is wrong within them. And usually it's a really kind of big stuck stuck something that they can't express in in any other way. And there's usually a level of frustration around that as well. Um, so, yeah, so angry anger is welcome in our house. I, I say get it out. Please get it out because I don't want you suppressing that and your body holding on to that. Um, so anger in our house quite often will look like, okay, I can see that you're angry. Go and grab, go grab your pillow and I just want you to scream. I just want you to scream into your pillow as loudly as you can because um, screaming is actually the sound that's connected to, to anger. So we try and shift it that way. Sometimes we want to talk about our anger and other times we just want to feel it and that's okay. So as long as you're not hurting anybody and as long as you're not hurting yourself, I'm happy for you to go off and, and feel angry and know that I am here and when you are ready and you would like to talk, I'm your safe space. I'm here. Come back and tell me what's going on underneath that that angry. I love the boundaries that you're creating and I love the it, – it's very, very clear. It's like a, you're, you're really creating clarity and uncertainty for, for your girls to – yeah, have those guidelines and boundaries and and also the practical, like 
And the sound, my gosh, how how helpful is sound? (laughs) We forget that all of our emotions have sound, but again, we're conditioned we're conditioned in society to not express ourselves through using our voice. So uh, once we make that connection again between sound and emotion, it makes it's another it's another amazing tool to have to be able to feel feel that emotion through actually doing something, so making sound. Um, and it also allows it to it allows it to come out again in in healthy ways. So it's so easy, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, we love to overcomplicate things as humans, right? <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. It's like, what's the problem? How how can we fix this problem? Well, actually, it's just yeah. part of the human experience to be angry sometimes. I still remember a few years ago my mentor telling me that it was okay to be angry and reasonable and and quite valid in the situation that I was in to be angry. It was the first time that I'd heard that, oh, like I had in my head that it was unspiritual to be angry, that this was, I I was kind of flooded by this love and light movement and it was just so liberating to to know that it was okay to be angry. Yeah, and it's so empowering, so empowering to allow yourself to be angry. And what about the sadness? Like do you have, um, like that's that's been a real part of my journey, this deep sadness or the heaviness in the body. Often we don't want to feel like that. We want to feel up. And so how have you had, how have you moved through sadness and, and, and felt that heaviness that I'm sure has come through um, these last 12 months? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, again, sadness is, is a really interesting one for me because Instead, I guess, of just sitting down and having a bout or a block of sadness, sadness for me is something that's kind of ebb and flow. So it'll, it'll kind of, it'll, it'll, something, something will happen. I'll be triggered by a memory. I'll be throwing my hands up in the air going, you know, why did you leave me? Why am I here trying to raise these by myself? So, and again, when, when that sadness comes in it's much the same as the anger so we we hold space for that sadness because again that sadness is valid that sadness is connected to a gorgeous loving memory of losing somebody who was super super important to us so again um you know crying and one of the big things for me because sometimes crying gets up for me and it's horrible because I kind of have this build up but no release um so in in the shower with the water running that that was that was a really really handy tool for me to have to bring on that crying to release that sadness that I was hanging on to um and and as, as much as I'm not afraid to cry in front of my, my children, sometimes if I was holding space for myself, I would need the, those those private moments just to just to be sad and to be okay with being sad. And yeah, obviously as as a, a, a mum of, of two girls by myself, but quite often the only time I get to myself is in the shower. So lots of lots of my magic 
an expression happens in the shower. <laughs> no one, no one can touch you. You can't tend to any jobs. <laughs> Everything has to wait until you're out of the shower. Yeah, isn't that interesting that the water element supported that process of of blend of of crying? Yeah, yeah. Water element and water element and emotions go completely hand in hand for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. My gosh, thank you so much, Megan, for coming on to this podcast and yeah, sharing your experience, but also your great wisdom about emotions and yeah, offering your your um, big experience experiences of the last twelve months processing Dan's passing. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for um, inviting me on. I'm always happy to come and talk about emotions. Because they are so, so, so important with all aspects of our life. And, you know, if we can figure out our, you know, emotional intelligence when the going's not so rough, it makes it so much easier when when things get tough. So, thanks for having me. You're welcome. To find out more about Bronte's book, It's Okay to Cry, you can visit brontispicer.com slash book because now, more than ever, we need tools that work to support and improve our mental health. It's Okay to Cry provides a profound insight into how living with depression can look and feel and shines a light on how taking a body-based approach can change your life. Until next time, remember, it's okay to cry.